God loves. That's why we do what we do. Because of that love, we choose to show compassion, choose to respect, choose to be less political, and choose to be more Christ-like. God loves. And all those who bring up barriers, build up prejudice, cause division, fail to understand that a Christian must first exemplify the love of Jesus. The band PFR sings, that's the love I know. It speaks in kindness. It seeks only what's true. It knows that when hope seems gone, hope will still come through. That's the gospel that I know, and it's everlasting. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Well, this is the last study on the book of James. I'd like the hosts that have been here with us for this study to introduce themselves again and tell me, since this is about the everlasting gospel, what would, in your life would you like to last forever? I am Janelle Phillip, and what I would like to last forever is my character. Really? No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm Angela, and... Um, I was going to say naps, but <laughs> since you went all deep on me, um, the love that I feel from my family members. My name is Kathy Burton, and something that I would want to last forever is my health. Mm. You know, up and running at 80. Wow. You know, that would be awesome. And if beyond. Could, and beyond, <laughs> yeah. If I could make up and running at 50, I'll be happy. <laughs> Kathy, if you could offer prayer, please read scripture. Yes. Um, scripture is found in Jeremiah 31, 3, and it says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Padre Santo, que estás en los cielos, Señor, te damos muchas gracias porque eres un Dios de amor. Te queremos pedir que seas con nosotros hoy, ahora que vamos a estudiar la Biblia. Y que lo que digamos sean tus palabras y no las de nosotros. Te queremos mucho en el nombre de Cristo Jesús. Amen. Amen. The moment I say amen, I feel like I just spoke Spanish as well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Janelle, you started off in saying the everlasting thing that you like, the thing that, that you'd like to last forever is character. What exactly do you mean by that? I would like that who I say I am, I am, and what I believe stands forever. I didn't mean to go all deep, and a lot of times <laughs> I, I do a lot of jokes, but just for this and just thinking about this lesson that the everlasting gospel, just something that just never fails and just never ends. And so I would just hope that my character and who I am is just would lead me into the kingdom. So how does that, how do you define the everlasting gospel in reference to our characters, if you will? <laughs> I'm going to look to my left, but look I don't to know, right, and all of a sudden we sing a song. Same blank faces here. <laughs> you know, I don't know about it in relation. I guess in relation to our characters, kind of throws me just a bit. But everlasting gospel. I guess my character just being one that believes in God, believes in His salvation, believes in Christ, believes in through faith, just believes that He loves us and will save us if we believe. And I would say, because I'm not at that point where my character is everlasting, <laughs> and sometimes I am better than others, and sometimes more patient than others, etc. Um, I look at it and I see a gospel that is everlasting, that it itself does not change, but that also is relevant for me in every step of my character development. Mm -hmm. When I've perfected mm -hmm. one thing, 
and still struggling with something else, it's the same gospel, the same lesson that applies to me then. Nothing? No, no. That's okay. okay. <laughs> for me, I mean, I was, I was thinking about this, you know, you're talking about the character. For me, the everlasting gospel is the, uh, what affects my evolving character. Because mm -hmm. you were talking about when I, when I perfect something, personally, whenever I've seen me perfect something, years later I realize there was so much more room for growth. And there's this constant, there's this constant, um, it's, I'm not even, it's not a battle, but this constant knocking of who I am and where the gospel is. Mm -hmm. And every time that happens, this who I am tends to just break apart and go, wow, there's a me inside of that that seems so much better than the one I, I thought I was. And it can, there's so much in my life that has to change. Uh, for me, the everlasting gospel is this almost this evolution of, of character. Not uh, people hearing evolution <laughs> on the Christian channel <laughs> like, <gasps> no, he didn't say that. No, I mean, I think that's, that's Christianity is, is this constant evolution of your spirituality. You tend to, you tend to become, you know, this, from a character that you, you don't want to be to something that's closer to Christ. Mm -hmm. I don't think even in heaven I'm even going to get close to being who Christ is. But it's going to constantly move in that direction. Yeah, I we're always coming better. We're always trying to become better. Let me say I that. One day I'm okay, and then the next day it's just like a oh, complete failure. God forgive me. I just messed up today. But that's the everlasting gospel is about grace as well and that faith. Because we're never at a point of I've arrived, I'm perfect, and just take me now, God. We're always moving. And so for me, the everlasting gospel in respects to my character always puts out grace. Um, I need it, must have it, and without it, I'm lost because I'm just not that good of a person. I like the part where you say, you know, I'm perfect, and take me now. For me, it's like, I'm perfect, take me now. Wait, I just met <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you. Know, just, I got some more to do. You know, wait till the next time. You got to meet that, make that moment, Lord, because if you miss it, I'm not perfect anymore. Mm -hmm. The uh, the idea of of the gospel in terms of Paul in chapter one and three of Romans, Paul goes, um, he defines it. How does he, how does he define it? What do you see in that? as a definition of the gospel. Because Paul's idea of the gospel and the Christian faith in some ways seems different from what James is saying. Mm -hmm. Well, Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Okay. That's so, a mouthful. Yeah. Now that she read it, the rest of you. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, I thought she read it because she was going to tell us something about it. <laughs> I never saw that before. You just, when, you, when you just finished reading this, and this is not one of those, I never saw it before, but we talked about it before this. No, I just saw it for the first time. I mean, I heard it. When you said the just shall live by faith, I've often heard people preach about how the, the emphasis of Paul has always been this, this you are saved by faith. But he says you will live by faith. Mm -hmm. And living isn't stationary. It isn't, it's something that you actuate. It's something put in, 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 into action. So you see that, that what James was talking about and what Paul says right there is not that different. And I feel like what I've often, I don't want to blame anybody that's preached to me. So maybe it was never preached at me. Mm -hmm. But I feel like what I've always assumed was that this righteous will live by faith phrase meant will live eternally because of faith. 
But I also see a really important application that the righteous will live every day in the path of faith. Not you don't live, I mean, and you do as well, but it's not necessarily you live because of faith, but you live in the way that faith leads you to live. And so you do, you do, your actions are a reflection of your faith. Right. I live today asking you how you are and really caring how you are because of the faith I have. Mm -hmm. So my actions are, are inspired by my faith. Not necessarily that I continue living because I have faith, but the way that I continue living is because of the faith I have. Hmm. Well, and I'm gonna kind of play devil's advocate here, but have you ever thought of people that do actions and don't have faith and they do good things, but they don't believe in anything necessarily. They're just doing well, it out of... those people don't count because they don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like, let's see how far there, it gets. You know, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of people who don't have a belief system and do very good yeah. things. Mm -hmm. So how does one... How, I mean, how do you tell the difference? I mean, is there yeah. a difference? Does faith bring you better, you know, just little things start at the top of at the and end I, of everything that you do? I would, I mean, even kind of jump onto that and say it isn't necessarily that they don't live with any faith in anything because, and I'm not necessarily saying that they live, that they do deep down inside them have a faith for God, but they have faith that me helping this person, me giving this person food is going to help them. Mm -hmm. They have faith that social justice is going to make a difference in the world. They have faith that giving to this charity is going to impact people's lives. All of those good actions are still based on a faith of some outcome. They can't, you can't necessarily prove that if I do this, this person's life will be better because it's a future action. They have faith that this action is going to create this result. So mm -hmm. it is in some sense, some right. kind of faith. Mm -hmm. I think when you look at it, I just, what you're just talking about, I actually paid attention to you, Angela. Yes! <laughs> Finally! When, you, when, you, when, you, when I see, when I hear what you say, I'm looking at the life of Paul. All his action while he was Saul was a matter of what he believed was right. It wasn't mm -hmm. just because he wanted it. It wasn't like the Dexter of the, uh, not that I would know anything about it, of, of the New Testament. But, you know, it's, the, it's, it's, it's not like he went out on a rampage saying, well, I could use this and kill everybody in the name of God. And whoo-hoo. He went there thinking he was doing right by God. It was an action of what he believed was faith. But faith led him to a realization of who he actually was. And that was when Saul goes, okay, that's it. I'm done with the name because there's just too many bad things there. Let's just go and become the Apostle Paul. Right. There is an uh, there's an actuation of what you believe to a point that even if you even if you believe in something wrong because you believe in in truth that truth sets you free. Hmm. Disagree with me? Um, You're welcome to. Sort of because I know that uh, there's different people that believe things that harm other people. How do let me explain myself? Like if someone is, believes that if I sacrifice. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's <laughs> a true faith, and maybe it's sacrificing my kids because yeah. they were born with Whatever. a mole on the forehead or, you know. Um, I, You know, how do you differentiate their faith and what they believe wholeheartedly to my faith that that's wrong and we're not supposed to be killing them? 
Why are you? Oh, right there. <laughs> you started it. Why are you all looking at the Indian? Not just like, like from a country that has no, so no, many no. religions. Like, let's look at him. He must be able to explain this. I, I mean, well, within the faith too, there are also commands. But I think, yeah, I think every faith has every faith. Every belief system has this thing of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And along the ways, including Christianity, it's been adulterated to a point where it's hard for people to recognize mm -hmm. what is good and what isn't. And they just follow the people in power because those people in power have a way of saying it. And I think it comes back to what, what Paul and James say is, if you believe in God, you will do good things. But you don't do good things to get right with God. Mm -hmm. It's because you believe in It's like... I, I do things for my family that I don't even realize I do them. It's because I, I see something from my, and I immediately think of my daughters and I'm going, I want to get that for them. It, it's not because I want to get it to them so they think I'm the best dad ever because. Although that helps. It, no, they're not going to go <laughs> comparing. Let's see. All right, okay, you've got this and let's go check another father out. It's just I want to get this for them because it comes out of love. Mm -hmm. It's an action or I do something because it's, it's something I want to do for them. My daughter asked for a dog a puppy, and she wants this Labrador so badly. She called me yesterday and says, I saw this puppy and I want to get it. And at this point in our, t our life, I can't afford to do that. But I really want to get her a dog because I know she, she's ready for one. So somewhere along the line, I will find a way of making this happen. Because it, it comes out of that love that I have. A lot of the things that we do in Christianity, I think, originates from that belief, that faith. Or am I just the weird one out? Don't answer that. <laughs> I mean, I agree. That's Finally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to call you weird, so I have nothing to say. <laughs> so when you look at the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son here, um, and there's also the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Mm -hmm. um, how, does this, how do these two illustrate the gospel? Both talk about someone who is undeserving someone who didn't deserve to have or to receive what they got. For instance, the prodigal son. I mean, he got mad, he left, he denied everything, he was better than, he didn't want to wait. All of these things happened. But then the father was just, at the moment of it, he said, I'll take you back. In that as well, the prodigal son also realized, too, his need of the father. And so I think it's a, maybe a dual thing. You realize your need, and you come forward. You're not deserving, but God says, it's okay. You can still come. But in, in the story of the prodigal son, what makes him want to come back? I mean, it's, it's not that he says, okay, you know what? I'm going to have better food. I'm just going to go back. You know what I think part of it is? When he left, chances are he didn't deserve it then either. Mm-hmm. Because that same spirit that was in him when he was off spending all his money is probably the same spirit he had before he left. It's just that in his whole, in his whole experience, he realized that he didn't deserve it. And he realized he didn't deserve it even then. But the father was willing to give it to him. I don't think he went back because he thought he was going to get it. Right because he went back wanting to be a servant, wanting to work for his father. But he realized that being a servant in his father's house was better than being sleeping with the pigs and... I mean, not to, to dig too much into the story that, I mean, it was a simple parable and there was a purpose for it. But when you think about it, he knew that his father would, he knew there would be some sort of acceptance. Otherwise he wouldn't have made the yeah. journey. Mm -hmm. He knew that he would get there. 
but what I, what I see in that story is, that, is the humility of someone to come back and say, hey, look, I don't deserve it, but I just want to be a part of all of this. Mm -hmm. And then to be pulled up and say, you are... One of the things that really ticked me off is when I hear people say that we are, not, oh, Lord, we are not worthy. You know, we don't deserve, we didn't deserve Christ's sacrifice, but Christ found us worthy enough to sacrifice his son. And the moment we say we're not worthy, it's like, you know, going up to your spouse and say, why in the world did you ever marry me? I'm just not good enough. It's like saying you don't have any taste. Right. You know, you're just, you're, you're just, you've got no sense of value, it. but hey, <laughs> you've married me. You know, I don't think we, we t tend to go to God and say, you know, we're not worthy. God finds us worthy, each and every one of us, even the ones that don't believe in him. Hmm. Uh, but how does, how does that illustrate the gospel? If you were not a Christian, how would the story of the prodigal son illustrate the gospel? Or the, or the, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector? Well, honestly, sometimes I feel like we don't receive the gospel until we've hit rock bottom. We don't accept it. We don't take it in. And I feel like that's what he had to do. He had to, um, and not all of us have to do that. Some of us don't have to hit rock bottom to accept the gospel and uh, increase our faith and our character in, in the gospel. But some people do. They have to hit rock bottom to find, you know, God and to come back and say, you know, I am... I'm here, like, use me how you can. Um, so I, I think that's definitely how I see it applying. I like what you said. Some of us don't have to hit rock bottom. There's, this, 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 there's also this philosophy that creeps into Christianity that says until you hit that hard wall, you will not truly recognize who God is. There's some people that never have to hit it. I mean, they, they don't, they've had a great life. Um, it's, it's not a necessity to recognize God or live in the gospel. So how do you define the gospel? You know, you see the, ta the tax collector and the publican. The tax collector comes and says, I am so good. Lord, you have no idea. You've got no idea. So let me tell you how good I am so you could record it because I'm so much better than everybody else, including the women. <laughs> yeah, we're interesting enough. We still have people that pray, pray stuff like that, uh, including the women <laughs> and the publican that's over there, you know. And the whole idea of God, Jesus says, the publican and comes and says, you know what? I know I messed up but I know that you are, you are greater than anything that I can do. So, mm. you know, redeem me in some ways, and it's up to you. That humility, the first lesson we were talking about, we were talking about humility, it is we have people these days who, who are proud of their past, so much so when they talk about the conversion experience, you know, the large percentage mm -hmm. of their, their sermons are how bad they were, and just before the amen, they say, well, and God found me, I'm redeemed, I'm standing in front of you and praying. Rather than, I was bad, but let me tell you all the good things that he has done. Mm -hmm. um, you were talking about you know, hitting the wall. When I was a kid, I told my, when I was a teenager, I told my mom, I really want to do drugs, and I want to join a rock band. And, you know, I want to, I want to join a band. And my mom was horrified. She's like, why would you do this? I'm like, mom, if I did these things, imagine how good a preacher I could be, because then people would come to hear me about God and his love. And my mom thought I was an idiot. She still, still thinks that at times, but that's just my family. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you talk about the gospel? using all these illustrations that we have, how do you make the gospel real? Well, if you look at um, the prodigal son, the brother, um, he had, had always been there, had always received the gospel and uh, held tr true to that. And when he sees that his brother comes back and gets all these things, I feel like 
that could happen to us, like that does happen to us. We're in, uh, for those who don't hit the rock bottom, we're in this everlasting gospel for such a long period of time that when we see others come and just have this rejoice of like, oh, I've hit, you know, you're like, wait, but I've never done that. Like, when is it going to be my turn? But we have, you know, we, we can't get too involved in that. Mm -hmm. And I, so I love looking at both brothers and when I talk about like the prodigal son, because, mm -hmm. you know, he didn't hit the rock, he didn't hit rock bottom, but seeing his brother do that, he wanted to. Yeah, and I think a lot of times we look at that story and we look at people around us and we think that very thing. Like this person went through all this horrible stuff and then they found the Lord and everybody's looking at them for that. And that's when we get to that point where we're like, oh yeah, well, I also used to do this in my past life. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> as long as you say in my past life, then you You're can brag okay. about anything. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting to see that, that, that you could actually be the, you could be the bit of both, both parables. You could be the mm -hmm. one that sits there and goes, oh, that's the prodigal, and that's the prodigal, and that's the prodigal, but I've never been the prodigal. I've stayed faithful. Mm -hmm. And then immediately you become the Pharisee in the, in the story of the Pharisee and the collector. Mm -hmm. what, what, you were gonna say something? Yeah, what I like about the, the parable of the tax collector is the tax collector just simply said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Mm -hmm. He just realized just pretty much that he's a sinner. We're all sinners. And that, I think that was, for me, that was such a something that really stands out. It's not about all these other things. You're just, we're all sinners. And in that, Christ went and said, he, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And that was another facet of James talking about humility. So in that, the tax collector just humbled himself enough to know, I am a sinner. I'm not perfect. I mess up. I have mistakes, whether they're really huge and dramatic or I just was mean today. <laughs> it's still all a mistake. I'm a sinner. And that alone was enough for Christ to say, that is what I want you to recognize. I want you to recognize The part that, that he goes, I'm not deserving. Mm -hmm. But if it's your mercy and your grace, yep. that I'll gets me it. back. That's yep. a reset button. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that is the beauty of the gospel is that reset button that you can go back and say, it, there's this good news that I am not defined by the things that I do or the things or the person I am. I can come back and say, your mercy is what I need because there's just too much of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at, um, when you look at the three angels message and, and talks about creation and salvation, how are creation and redemption and salvation tied in together? I look at it and just from those two phrases themselves, I, I realize that creation was the way God wanted the world to be. It was, he created what he dreamed for us as perfect beings in a perfect place. We know everything that's happened since and we are not there anymore. But that's what salvation ultimately does is it, it begins, and I don't want to say it begins the process or it happens right then, but that's the purpose of our of our salvation is to get us back into that ideal that God has created and dreamed for us because ultimately that's where he wants us to but be. But there's a difference. You're not talking about going back. Right. It's not like, well, let's go back and dress like we were in 1844 or 1950 or whatever else. Because it's, those weren't perfect either. <gasps> there are a lot of I people. Know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there will be an, when 
everything is reestablished and we're back to way, the way we're supposed to be, then it will look a lot like it was when it was first created. And salvation and redemption is similar to that reset button that we were just talking about. Yeah. If you reset back to the, the perfection that God created, the, in the purity of that image of God. Mm-hmm. You're all looking at me weird. Keep going. I mean, not that it's not normal. That's how you normally look at me. But you know, the idea of—I think—I think the idea of going—it's even when we even when we get to heaven, it's not like we're going to go back to creation. I mean, Eden was there, and that was over with. What God does new is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said, Angela. I, for me, in my brain, I saw something a little bit just not different, but I, just yeah, I guess different, but along the same lines, <laughs> talking about for the connection between creation and redemption and salvation is obedience as well. Talking about who are we going to serve, who are we going to obey. And so when I'm hearing that, it just, for me, it just went back again to obedience. Um, what, who am I serving? Who are we serving? Who is this person? Who is this God? And in the beginning, there was a choice and at the end, there's still a choice. I like this, what you said, you know, one of the things you kept saying is you said serve and obey. And I, James is the book of do. Mm-hmm. where you do things because of what you believe. And part of that is this, the, the idea of servitude. It's not, not servitude as in enslaved, but That's servitude in, 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 the, in the idea of service. You know, the, the, the service to your community. Ha, ha, ha. Service to your community. <laughs> um, the idea for um, the, you obey the calling for everybody. So how in, in a world today where we are so self-centered, I mean, mm-hmm. as much as they'd like to say it's the social network, it isn't a social network. It's a, it's look at me, I can us. do this. <laughs> look at me, I found this. Look at me. It becomes a very self-centered generation where parents think that their kids are the best and individual thinks that nobody else can speak or say things just like them. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you put this idea of, of service out there? How do you love people? I mean, we had issues in in, our, in this country right now where you have Christians that quoted that would stand and picket lines and push people quoting scripture, and it, it just boggles my hmm. mind. How do you exemplify the love of Jesus, the love that's supposed to be better than anything else? How do you exemplify that? I've got we've got like a, less than a minute, hmm. and it takes fast. more than that. yeah. <laughs> well, the scripture says very clearly: love God, love others. It's back to love. If, we, if we're really following Christ, we love him and we love others. How, does, how do you do that, how do we do that if your politics is more powerful than your belief? Well, well you bring it back. You, <laughs> you let that go and you bring it back to love, to caring, to the essentials, to the everlasting gospel. And I think that when that's your backbone of everything that you do, everything else will fall into place. We let go of ourselves if we look at Jesus. We're always wanting to hold on to ourselves, what we feel is right, what we want, what we want. It's not about what we want. It's about what Christ wants. We serve him. We obey him. He'll lead if we really submit. And his his calling is the gospel, and the gospel is not invasive. It's not take the Bible, Mm -hmm. thunk them over the head and say, you're saved. It's introduced. It's like Philip and the Ethiopian. Yes. It's that introduction. It's non-invasive in any way. And that ha-ha-ha to Kati before, she works in community services, so I just wanted to bring that <laughs> in. Uh, thank you all for being here and for helping us during this whole s- series of lessons. Hopefully we'll see you back either as hosts or for guests. And if you would like to contact us, please visit us at our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschoolu.org. Remember the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Falvo Fowler.